I want to talk about maintaining an attitude of gratitude just for a few moments. God really, really, really puts a premium on gratitude in the heart of his people. Thanksgiving will insulate you against so many things. It will also mark you as a child of God that is pleasing unto him. And when a man's ways please the Lord, amen, when a man's ways please the Lord, he's even able to make his enemies, Paula, that includes you too. You don't have to be a man. It's any Christian, any worshiper of God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he is able to make his enemies be at peace with him. There is victory. It insulates us against something that is common to our flesh, and that is complaining. I'm good at it. If I let myself go, I can always find something to complain about. But if I focus, as we talked about last week, on the Lord and his goodness and his mercy and his grace to me, I can't help but have an attitude of gratitude. That's easy to remember. It's a thankful heart. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is the will of God. You know, many people that are seeking the will of God for their life need to start with the things, being obedient to the things that are clearly revealed in the Word of God. Don't expect the Holy Spirit to be able to lead you into those areas where His will is not clear for your life, your ministry, your purpose in life, the the places He wants to place you. Don't expect to be led of the Holy Spirit if you can't be obedient to the Word of God. Can I say that again? Don't expect to hear that still, small voice and respond to that, that still, small voice when you, you, you're not being obedient to the clear, loud voice that the Word of God speaks unto you. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning every one of you and me. Can you say amen? And if you want to really crucify the flesh, this will help do it. Because when you feel like complaining, if you will still give God praise and thank him. There's a scripture needs to be interpreted, and that is, and I'm going to read some scriptures on thanks, but I want to get this out front. In everything give thanks, and for everything give thanks. Do not thank God for what the devil is doing in this world. Do not thank God for anything that he is trying to hurt or harm you with. That didn't come from God. Thank him for the things that come from him. How do you know whether it's from him? Because we've got an attitude today that everything that happens to you is coming from him. In that case, God would be a a bad daddy. His children would be taken away from him if he taught you something by giving you cancer. 
I heard R.W. Shambach preaching one time, and, you know, he tells things real plain, and, and they, I went to those tent meetings years ago, and he said someone came, and he was going to pray for him because of a tumor, a cancerous tumor, inoperable. And the man said, I'm not sure God wants to heal me. He may have given me this cancer for his glory. And he said, well, if he's given you the cancer for his glory, why don't you ask him for another one so you can give him more glory? He didn't mean to be mean. He wanted to shock him into the reality that the devil is lying to him. And if God sent it, why are you going to the doctor to try to get rid of it? Does that make any sense to you? Why go to a doctor to get rid of what God put on you? God doesn't teach his children by making them sick and afflicting them. Here's a, here's, to me, this is clear. Every good and perfect gift comes down, and that includes the... I, I'm, I, I'm so proud of the Lord. I give him all the glory, but I thank God for the surgical team that was able to perform something this just miraculous in a sense. Amen. This is incredible. I believe God gave them the knowledge and God blessed them because the, the, the surgeon was giddy. He was like a kid that, you know, got something at Christmas. I mean, he was so up and, and oh, the heart is perfect. The valves are perfect. The blood is being carried perfectly and she's doing great. Wow. I said, wow. Hallelujah. And I, we, we, I told him about our faith in God in the sense that I said, thank God for that. Thank God for that. And he said, amen, on the other end. He knows that these things involve something more than their expertise. When God's blessing is on it, it, it is beyond their expectations and beyond their expertise. There's a scripture I claim often when I'm dealing, uh, how, do you, how do you keep your faith in God and, and, and let people help you? You know, a lot of people say, well, if you, if you go to a doctor, you take any medication, you're not trusting God. And I say that's baloney, baloney, baloney. If it's good and perfect and helpful, God gave the knowledge. Oh, by the way, the people that say that, they don't have a bit of problem with the scripture that says, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, shaken together, pressed down, and running over. Men shall give unto your bosom. I don't think there's none of those people that say those other things that if someone offered them $100,000 for their, you know, I want to bless you with $100,000. I can't accept that because I wouldn't be trusting God. A gambler gave Oral Roberts for the university, uh, the hospital he was building years ago, gave him a million dollars, gave him one million dollars toward that. And they criticized him because do you know where that money came from? This guy got it gambling. He said, well, we've seen what the devil can do with it. Now let's see what God can do with it. Can you say amen? It's what you do with it. It's not, you know, I mean, now, if you're a mafia hit man and you want to contribute, just that that's a whole. I'm just talking about the casino crowd. Listen to me carefully. I hear people giving God thanks 
for the sickness, the disease, the destructive force of the enemy. And you need to discern what is God and what is the devil. Because if the devil tells you, and like a lot of preachers are teaching this morning, that this thing that you're going through, God put it. And oh, thank you for bringing me to this point. Here's a misquoted scripture. God won't put Oh, have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? God won't. That's not what the scripture says. Because now God is the one, whatever is troubling you, trying to destroy you, hurt you. God designed it. God desired it. God purposed it. No, he did not put it on you. Jesus never made nobody sick. But he healed everybody that sick came to him for healing. Without exception. Without exception. In fact, he wanted to heal one man so bad he asked him, Would you be made help? Would you be healed? What a rhetorical question. What a crazy question to ask a sick man. The only time God showed up. Because a religious system had pushed all the supernatural out, all the love out, all the presence and power of God out. But God came down once a year, sent an angel actually in his stead to the pool of Bethesda. And the waters begin to, without wind, without anything to, to motivate them, the waters begin to be troubled. And the first person in those waters received healing no matter what ailment they had. Why did God do that? He wanted a backslidden, cold-hearted religious system to realize that there is a true and a living God. And He wants to move in the affairs of men. But a dead religious system will never bring that manifestation. I did something that some people would criticize me for. But such peace, when Pamela came out in the report, they stayed on the cell phone with me every hour and 15 minutes. I took care of a memorial service in Temple Terrace while my wife was in recovery because they said she's going to be asleep for at least two, three hours before she wakes up. And by then, I'll be back, and she'll be, as I said last week, looking at my fuzzy face. I want that to be the first face that she sees. How could you go? Because she's not in jeopardy. That's why. Because they confirm she's not in jeopardy. Because the peace of God was in her and in me. And there's no need me sitting there as if there's something crucial and critical going on when there isn't. She's sleeping, for heaven's sake. So I'm praising God. I took care of a memorial service, took off. But at Jim Gates' memorial service, his son, uh, one of his sons, two of his sons brought their perspective of their dad. And he said, the first time that I encountered the presence of God was at Brother Venables. He said, I was just a kid and he said, I didn't know anything about, you know, church other than you sing songs and the preacher brings a message. But said, Pastor Venable was preaching and he stomped his foot. And I, I chose my good foot, by the way, today. That's wisdom, right? God is healing this, but, you know, don't need me aggravating the process. Hallelujah. He stomped his foot to make a point under the anointing. 
And he said it was the first time in my life, even as a child, it was like a shockwave of power swept over that whole audience. And I felt it. And he said it was my first encounter with the tangible presence of God. The tangible. I like that. The tangible presence of God. That's what's missing. Remember what the scripture said of one church in the book of Revelation? One of the seven churches of Asia. Thou hast a name that liveth, but you're really dead. Your name represents presence and power and life, but you become a dead religious system. In no way representing the presence and person and power of God any longer. And there's a danger in denominational structure that we become that. And there's a danger in growth. Someone had a, a, a kind of a kind of a vision, uh, call it what you want, of, of a church of a couple of hundred people. Did you know if we had a 200 people and we had a very nice place to worship and, 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 and suddenly growth began to come? Did you know there's a danger in just becoming more formal to attract this person and to get that businessman to give and lose the tangible presence of God? And without, this young man said, and if you say, well, what benefit is that? Well, he finished his testimony. He said, he said, I knew as a child that there's more to, the, to, to Christianity than just a preacher preaching and this choir singing. And there's a presence and there's a person and there's a reality. And he said, I drifted away and I went the way of the world for many years, but I never ever got away from the reality of the tangible presence of God. God is real. It's not just a religious system. There is a presence and a meeting of God with his people that is supposed to occur when we come together. For if two or more of us gather together in his name, where is he? Is he sitting aloof in his heaven, or is he manifesting his presence where they are? Where two or more gathered in his name, he said, there am I, where? In the midst of them. In the midst of them. Hallelujah. I'm so glad when we worship today, he was here to receive it. Our worship didn't have to get from here to a throne in heaven. He came down. We made a throne. That's what it meant when it said he inhabits the praises of his people. It means he is enthroned by the praises of his people. We put him in that place of preeminence that he should always have in our heart and in our life. And someone put it this way, when we worship him in spirit and in truth, we make a throne for him. And when we make a throne for him, he comes and takes his place upon the throne. Hallelujah. And he's in our midst today. Wow. Maybe you've got away from that. Maybe you're not even seeking that anymore. But I remember when Mike was a young man. And it's getting, you know, some years are passing since he was a young man. <laughs> young jitterbug. Anyway, well, he didn't jitter a lot, but he was, you know, young fellow. I remember looking up and not seeing Mike sitting by his grandmother in church. 
and wondering if he had went out or where he was and and I would walk down the aisle and I'd look between the pews, sometimes laying on the floor and wetting that old wooden floor between the pews at the Holy Church of God with his tears. He would be laying on his face seeking God because there was a tangible presence there. I remember preaching and getting done preaching and praying and, and all of these all of these people that had come down and looked like the service was over and it was getting late and the kids came upstairs from the Sunday school and all those kids hit the altar and they were under conviction and, and they were being exposed to the tangible presence of God. And your kids grow up and they may grow away, but they will never get away from the exposure to the presence of God. Can you say, man, there are churches that started out being built on not just the emotionalism, but the reality of the presence of God in the midst. But when they grew and got bigger and they wanted to be more impressive to business people and other people who don't understand how we sometimes react to the presence of God, who write it all off as emotionalism. I do. Listen, he hath made me glad. That's an emotion, but it's coming from a spiritual reality in the life of the believer. Can you say, man, serve the Lord with that reality and the emotion that it produces in you. Serve the Lord with gladness, all ye lands. I think it's Psalm 4 that said, he has made me glad more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. Can you say, man? And it works in the time of trouble, this presence of God and this joy of the Lord. <laughs> though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no cattle in the stall and no fruit upon the vine, yet I will, re I will rejoice in my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. For he, when I do that, he will make my feet like hind's feet. Up in Georgia, passing through Georgia on one of our many trips to Kentucky, I remember hearing the backwoods preacher preach a good message on that, but he wasn't educated and he read, he couldn't read well. He had a mighty anointing on him. And, and, uh, and <laughs> he, said, he said, the Lord said he would make your feet like hen's feet. He said, you look out there, you won't see nothing to eat. He said, they'll go a-scratching, and they'll scratch up something to eat. He'll make your feet like hen's feet. He said, a storm will come, they'll roost up in a tree. He said, they'll grip that limb, and that, that tree will shake, but that old hen will sit right there and not get blown out. And you can hold on to God, because he'll make your feet like hen's feet. Can you say, man? It wasn't biblical, but it was a faith message. Can you say, man? It was better than some of the biblical stuff that isn't full of faith and full of power. Listen, this gospel did not come in word only. I make no excuse for a promise that God has made to me or you. Can you say, man, I am not going to make excuses, try to twist the word to, to fit where I am living. I want the word of God to change me and bring me up. 
Can you say amen? We used to say, lift me up above the shadows. Plant my feet on solid ground. The, the word of God is, is, is unbreakable so that our faith can become unshakable. Say that with me. God's promises are unbreakable so that our faith can become unshakable. Hallelujah. So in Hebrews 11, it said through faith this, through faith that, through faith this, through faith that. And then it said by faith they obtained promises. By faith they obtained promises. Out of weakness, what is the promise to the weak? What is the promise to the weak? When I am weak and trust God, then am I made strong. Hallelujah. This has put me in a position where I sense my human inabilities and my human limitations. My wife said, I try not to wake you up when you fall asleep because I know you haven't had much sleep and I know you need your sleep. And I appreciate that. She said, I tiptoe by you. I sleep where I can hear her, uh, right where I can hear her if she needs me, but not with her so she don't have to worry about waking me up. Uh, and she can move around and get up and uh, if she wants to. For the first few nights, I had to pick her up because she's not allowed to push up or pull up. And that's okay. But you lose sleep, and I turn to the Lord, and I say, Lord, I need strength. And I ask people to pray, and I know people are praying, and I feel a strength that is beyond me. And when I feel a strength beyond me, it's got to be him. Hallelujah. Because I'm not, a, I'm not, well, Dale. It was Dale. Or it could have been Sherry and Dale conspiring. I don't know when they got the gift. I think it was for my 60th birthday almost 12 years ago. It, 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 there's a chicken mug for your coffee. But it's got one of those lifetime batteries in the bottom. Not that you can change, but it talks when you pick it up. A, there's a pretty chicken on it. It's kind of, you know, fancy chicken on this mug. But you pick it up and go to drink coffee out of it, and it crows and says, no, it clucks. Come on, give me a chicken. Somebody give me a chicken out there. Has anybody got a chicken? So you're going to laugh at the way I do it, but you're not even going to try it, right? Anyway, it, it, it clucks. And then it talks. You know what it says? You ain't no spring chicken. You ain't no spring chicken. You ain't no spring chicken. And I thought, you know, you're right. <laughs> if spring chicken means young jitterbug, I don't fit it anymore. But I'm not over the hill. And I still believe in the tangible presence of God. And I wouldn't trade this little group as a core to build on for a, a pre-made, preacher-ready, walk into the pulpit, 500 people, wonderful tabernacle without the tangible presence of God. 
Some of you have been part of ministries and you have told me, amen, that at one time it was the presence of God that you it drew you. You knew God was going to show up. You know the sermon wouldn't be cut and dried. It wouldn't just be appropriate to the occasion. You would hear what God is saying to the church because it came in power and it came in the anointing. And you felt that shockwave of power at some point in the service and you know there's more than a preacher in this building. God is in this place. Hallelujah. And it does something to your faith when you sense God in the house. Amen. It's like faith on steroids when you sense His presence. Spiritual steroids. So when that young man said he experienced it at our church, He got away from God, but he never forgot experiencing the presence of God. And he came full circle, and he's a dedicated Christian man sharing Jesus with everybody that he can today. Both those young men are. Praise God. Hallelujah. As we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas this time of year, we need to separate the holy day for the Christian from the holiday of the world. It doesn't mean not to celebrate and enjoy a holiday, but make sure that we get the real reason for this season. When America was established and blessed, it was supernatural. The leaders of this nation knew the hand of God was with them and upon this nation. They set aside, it was set aside a day to give thanks to God for his blessing upon this nation. And friend of mine, how we need a nation filled with gratitude and giving God the glory for his blessing. There's a warning to people that have been blessed materially as we have. And and to Christians that God blesses materially. To pastors, to churches. There's a man right now trying to raise $64 million for his personal jet plane. He's got three or four jet planes already, but they're not in the elite level of jet plane. So CNN jumps on that to portray every minister on television as just someone out for the material gain. And it's hard to defend that. I can't defend it. I can't defend it. I need... I got three corporate jets already, and I need a $64 million jet to get the gospel to who? If you go to Africa, your heart will break. Sell the jet and help somebody. Don't mean you're not blessed, but $64 million? And the reasoning when asked the question was, God, God told me to come up higher where he is. You think a jet is going to get you up where God is? Your faith is rusty. Your faith is plateaued out. You need to reach out for more. And I thought, why don't you go lay hands on somebody with cancer? That would, that would be a, a good thing to do with your faith. It's an amazing day. The thing is, not just that somebody like that exists, it's that people keep contributing. 
God's people. Doesn't matter that God doesn't show up because this celebrity preacher shows up. It does matter. I have no celebrity. There are preachers that I honor because of their faithfulness to Christ. And there are people that I respect because they are anointed of the Lord, clearly. But if God doesn't show up, there's no preacher, no preaching, no celebrity that takes the place of the presence of God in my life. I'll tell you, I'd be hard-pressed. There are churches that have a name that lives Pentecostal, charismatic, a name that represents independent, but, but the tangible presence of God. See, this gospel did not come in word only, but in power. It came in power. We say we got the Bible, we don't need the power anymore. Honey, it's the Bible that tells us how desperately we need the power. The Bible doesn't take the place of God's presence. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. At His right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. And come before His presence with singing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sing for joy, you saints of the Lord. My uncle, who's with the Lord now, he preached for many years with the Church of God organization. Cleveland, Tennessee, headquartered Church of God, Pentecostal. He said he worked and pastored by vocational like I did for 12 years. Only, only I, I had a labor job and he sold insurance with a suit and tie. Uh, not You don't wear a suit and tie, do you? Okay. You, you manage the office. But, the, you know, it's different kind of labor. Yours is mental and mine was physical. And uh, anyway, God is good. He took me through it. Hallelujah. And some businessmen from other companies and that knew about their company, and they, all, they, they said, you're a preacher. We, we're going to come to your church Sunday. Three businessmen that they'd sold insurance to that had big, you know, big cars and big suits and went to big churches. They're coming to a Pentecostal core-based church. And he said, I knew they wouldn't get it. I knew they would be intimidated by it. I knew they wouldn't understand it. And, and he was a little bit, you know, you know, the big shots are coming. Maybe... Maybe we need to tone it down a bit. You know, tangible presence to them doesn't really mean anything. And, you know, we're used to the presence of God. But he said, uh, he said you know, the, he said we had a platform in our church. I think it was Kannapolis, North Carolina, a church of about 800. He said we had a, we had a platform that was about 48 inches up from the floor, big platform. He said we had a choir of 125, 130 people. And we had songs of Zion. And he said there were certain people that I knew if the Spirit of God came on them, they might do something that these businessmen might misunderstand or not get at all. And maybe they'll take off scared and, and look down on him. 
Because, you know, when you start affiliating with the higher-ups, you can lose some humility and, and get a little pride and, and not want to be categorized with that, those Pentecostal people over there. I had people leave our church because it wasn't, it wasn't uh, prestigious enough for them. And their friends went to a prestigious church. Remember, remember, the, remember the Assyrian who had leprosy? And he was told to go dip in Jordan, and he said, are not there more prestigious rivers, <laughs> amen, better rivers than old muddy Jordan over its banks probably at flood time? Isn't there something I can do and maintain my pride and my decorum? No, there isn't. Your pride is in the way of your healing, old hoss. Can you say, man, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If he asked you to do a mighty thing, his servant said, if he asked you to do some mighty thing, you'd do it, wouldn't you? He said, yeah, well, he's asking you to do a humble thing. Is it worth it to be healed? He said, yeah, it is. Listen, God, God has a way of bringing the pride down every mountain he says going to be brought down and every valley is going to be lifted up can you say man god is still resisting religious pride is still pride and that's why god doesn't show up where that exists so he said they came in he shook their hand he took them right down front so they could have a seat and and said they started singing and first song went good. They sung three or four verses. They went to the second song. Nobody, this, no tangible presence. Everything's going good. Everything's cool. Good music, good singing. They started on the third song, and he didn't say what the song was, but he said, he said I saw a brother begin. He put his hand up, and he began to sway back and forth. He said, I could see his mouth, and I knew he was muttering in other tongues, praising God. He said, I said, oh, Lord, <laughs> if they sing one more verse, <laughs> if they sing one more verse of that song and the presence of God comes down, uh, what's, something's going to happen here. These people are not going to understand. See, you encourage that until somebody of prestige comes in. You know what the Apostle said about that? He said, if someone comes in, they can't dress well, and they're a nobody, and you sit them on the back row, and somebody comes in dressed to the nines and very influential and prestigious, and you bring them from, they, they go to sit down on the back row, but you bring them up front. He said, you sin. You sin because you did something that God disallows and God doesn't do. You showed respect of persons because of their influence, their money, their prestige, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, God resists the proud under any circumstance, but he gives grace to the humble. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He said, I looked up. He said it wasn't long before that man had both hands up. And I said, because, and said the song leader said, and it was close. The song was, he, he almost made it. They were close. That, that was the end of the song. And the song leader said, I believe the Lord wants us to sing that last verse one more time. <laughs> Amen. He said, here it comes. 
<laughs> Glory to God. He said, they started singing that last verse. The power and presence of God came down. You see, if this was emotionalism, we would suppress it. because. They, they, but there is a reality. I can't explain that. But I can tell you something. The tangible presence. I've never heard it explained just in those terms, but have you ever experienced the tangible presence of God in a service? If you have, nothing can replace it. There is no substitute for it. No cloister-robed choir can sing pretty enough to take the place of a choir singing to God and not to the audience. Can you say, man, so that we make a throne for Him, and He comes and He inhabits he takes his seat upon that throne. Hallelujah. And comes into our midst in a tangible, personal way. Wow. Maybe you've seen it happen to others. It's never happened to you. One of these days, it may happen to you. I baptized you. I couldn't hardly get you out of the water. The presence of God came on her as she was going under the water. Remember what you said when you come up out of the water? I saw Jesus. She was so lost in the Spirit. That, that, listen, that's not formalities. This is not a formality. This is not just a church thing, a religious ritualistic thing. This is an encounter with the presence and power of God. Throat cancer. God has touched you. God has intervened. Hallelujah. You're talking today. I talk to you. We come out of church and I said, I love you. She said, I love you more. No, she said, I love you, Brother Bimble. I said, I love you more. She said, I love you most. I'm glad God gave her a voice. <laughs> I receive it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mike got the anointing to play and to lead and to follow the Spirit in music. Laying on his face between the pews when everybody else is headed for the Burger King. Why was he still there? Why were they still there? Why, what kept people in sometimes a two and a half, three hour service? What held them there? I didn't say nobody can leave the building. I got lost in the Lord. I got lost in the Lord. I got lost. The time didn't mean anything. Time stopped in the presence of God. People were healed. Miracles occurred. Wednesday night service, no more than this in that building on Sitka Street. And at the end of the service, a lady came down up in years and, and she said, Brother Vimble, I need a healing. I need a miracle. We just laid hands. So I'm glad she didn't tell me what was wrong. <laughs> I might not have prayed in perfect faith. <laughs> Amen. I thought it don't matter what's wrong. I, whatever's wrong, he's a he's a he's a physician. He's the great physician. He's never changed. Hallelujah. He identified himself to Israel. I when he brought them out of Egypt, he said, I am the Lord God of Israel. I am Jehovah. I will put I will put, I will put, don't say the Lord put it on you because he said, I will put none 
of the diseases. I won't do it to you. Don't put it on me. Can you say, are you with me in the word for just a little while this morning? I will put none of the diseases that have come on Egypt on you. You got a covenant with me through Abraham. You are Abraham's seed and I am to you Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Rophi, whichever way it's the same. I am the Lord thy physician. I'm not your afflictor. I'm your deliverer. I'm not the one making you sick. I'm your doctor. Can you say amen? Oh, give him a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's get in this thing today. God won't put on me, put on you. No. Where do you see put on you? Where do you, I see he won't put it on you, but I don't see he will put it on you. But the devil wants to twist the word of God. We've got a movement today in the formal evangelical denominational structured churches because of the void of God's power, the vacuum created without the tangible presence of God. Then we create a doctrine to allow for the devil to afflict God's people, to destroy God's people. And why are we destroyed? For a lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God primarily. And secondarily, a knowledge of His will for us. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. But it takes a prayer of faith on the part of the person praying, and it takes faith on the part of the person prayed for. So the first expression of faith is calling the elders. Elders are not people with name tags appointed by the church because they have become this or that. These are mature Christians. These are people who are grown up in the Lord, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Solid, established in their faith. Call for them. They're getting scarce as hen's teeth in this generation. Can you say amen? Because we are satisfied without the tangible presence of God. We are satisfied with a gospel that doesn't come in power. It comes in accuracy as far as certain scriptures. But without the anointing, the Bible said the letter in and of itself, the, particularly the letter of the law, killeth. But the Spirit, the Spirit there's got to be a place for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Hallelujah. So he said, this one man, I'm glad it was a man this time and not a woman. Sometimes the men sit back and the women respond to the presence of God and the men are sitting there afraid to move. This is a man. And he raised both hands. Spirit of God hit him. He used to run around that church in, in a, in a, I call it a joy run. Boy, when, when, <laughs> used to on Tuesdays, I would go to my men's fellowship breakfast with four, three other pastors and the, and the founder of uh, All Pro Pastors. And, 
we'd have breakfast together, and I'd go to Mickey D's. Everybody say McDonald's. And you know what Mickey D is, right? Okay. And get one of those breakfasts, you know, from a wife. Well, she don't eat the sausage. She's staying away. From, she Even back then, before all of this, she didn't know the problem, but she wasn't eating the sausage. She loves it, but she just didn't want to eat the, you know, high calorie and all that. Anyway, so the dog gets the sausage. Well, we had an extremely long breakfast because we got into some things and prayed about some things and prayed for the waitress's sister who was going through something. And, and, and we just had a presence of God thing. And, <laughs> and so I was about 45 minutes late getting home. The door was open, glass door, you know, outer door. And the big door was open and the dog was watching. And the dog was watching because it's Tuesday morning, and he hasn't got a calendar, but somehow he knows Tuesday morning, I bring her that breakfast from Mickey D's, he gets the sausage. And he's looking out the door for Daddy to come home because it's sausage day. It's not Tuesday, it's sausage day. Let's see, Sunday they went to church. I was here by myself for a while. Monday they went and did this or that. But it is Tuesday. It's sausage day. And he's anticipating sausage. He wants that sausage. He's watching for me to come home because when I drive up, sausage is coming. And he's looking. And and he... It was so funny. He, she opened the door because he was up on it like that. She opened the door. I got out of the car, he, front yard. He started going in circles with a joy run. It's sausage day. He's, listen, he's 10 years old, but he forgot. <laughs> Amen. And he, he was flying. His ears are flying. It's sausage day. It's sausage day. It's sausage day. He made three trips right around the front yard. Yow, 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 yow. Joy. 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 Why did that person take off running? I was in a Shambok tent meeting. I was sitting by a man, a black man. He had on, he businessman, obviously. He had on a pinstripe vested suit and looked like patent leather shoes. He had a watch. I didn't know if it was a Rolex or what, but it was expensive. You could take a gold watch and a gold ring. His hair was perfect. And I'm, I'm sitting there and, you know, I had on, you go to a Shambok meeting in a tent, you know, you don't, suit and tie up too much because it's pretty warm. The Spirit of God's going to come down. Lord knows what might happen. Can you say that? <laughs> and we're sitting there, and he had a guy that played a Hammond organ. And I'm t- he had a, a man who played a, a little snare drum type thing and a, and a Hammond organ. And I'll tell you, when the Spirit of God began to come down and worship, all of a sudden, I felt the Spirit of God hit me, and I'm sitting there, and I came to myself. I don't remember getting up or taking off, but I came to myself running around that tent, full out, full blast. I was halfway around the tent, and I thought, Lord, have mercy. God is in tangible presence. What, What were you doing? It wasn't sausage for me. 
It was the presence of God. Can you say, man? It was a joy run. Maybe it's never happened to you. It may never happen to you. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will never make you do something you don't want to do. I, I was just hungry for God. I, the Spirit of God was in that place. I was worshiping. I forgot that guy beside me, and I was running full out, and I saw there was somebody running in front of me full out. And it was the guy in the pinstripe vested suit with a nice watch. And I thought, well, I'm not the only one, amen, <laughs> that's out in the aisle praising God. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Venable, that was emotionalism. <laughs> oh, there was emotion in it, but it wasn't just emotion. The emotion was being expressed because of the power and presence of God under that gospel tent. And miracles occurred. And one of the greatest miracles, I wasn't there to see it, but others were that testified to it, that the organist came under the anointing. That's why there was such a power under that place. And as he was playing, he had to lift both his hands to praise the Lord. He couldn't keep his hands on the keys. And when he lifted his hands, the organ kept playing. Until he put his hands back on the keys and continued. Wow. And people were healed, delivered, set free. And I saw demons cry out and demons come out. Ever since we got people who have been trained in psychiatry psychiatry and sociology psychologists and ever, ever since we did that we don't deal with that world anymore because we have pushed the supernatural aside and we've told God's people whatever is happening to you God has put it on you he's allowed it he's permitted it he's orchestrating it he does take us through trials. He does in his permissive will allow things to happen. But God isn't the afflictor. Get it straight biblically. I will put none of the diseases on you that have come upon Egypt. For I am, listen, whatever he was, he is and he always will be. For he's the Lord God of Israel, and he, he changes not. And Jesus said, when you've seen me, who have you seen? Because my works are not mine, but what I see my Father do. And my words are not mine, but what I hear my Father say. And what did Jesus say and do? Hallelujah. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were afflicted of the devil. Don't put on God what the devil is doing. Give God his place, his person. Don't try to change God to accommodate a dead church and a dead faith. And a dead brand of Christianity that has a name that represents life.
My uncle said this man come running from where he was to the end of the platform. When he got to the end of the platform, he swan dived and flattened out on the floor. Enough to knock the wind out of you if God isn't in it. So if you are just getting emotional, you're going to get the wind knocked out of you. But if it's the wind of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you're going to keep on going. He jumped up and ran around that building about three times, just like my dog did a joy run. And after the service, he said, I didn't know what those guys, they stayed. They didn't run out of the building. Stayed for the sermon. And after the service, these three businessmen said, we have heard all our life. We both, they were members of prominent churches in the city. Said, we've heard all our life about Pentecostals and the presence of God. But we have never experienced it until tonight. They didn't understand that joy run. But they were exposed to a tangible presence in their, they knew this is not mere emotionalism. This is not too many enchiladas with hot sauce. This, there's something, there's someone here and formal religion is void of it. Can you say amen? And many Pentecostal organizations become ashamed of it. And in our quest to keep out wildfire, we end up with no fire. And that's a greater danger. Remember when manifestations were coming? When Moses went down and he, he came up to Pharaoh and... Remember when the rod was turned into a serpent and Pharaoh called for his ma magicians and they made servants out of their rods so now you've got the real and you've got something from the enemy over here but what happened what happened Moses servant I had a I had listened to a pastor one time uh, and he was preaching this and he was from Romania and he didn't pronounce his, his W's. He said, Moses' servant dewired. <laughs> Instead of devoured, dewired Pharaoh's snakes. The real took over. And the real prevailed. And if we lose the real, then if there's any manifestation, it'll be from the other side. So the devil has the power and God's people are stuck in a formal religious system. And the gospel doesn't come in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost. And therefore, in much assurance. Hallelujah. Peter said, we preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Hallelujah. Been doing this a long time. Stirred up. Fired up. Are you hungry for more? 
you want to see me get excited up here? Is that your Sunday morning thing to watch the preacher get excited? What about you? What about you? There are churches that will entertain your socks off. They got the choir. They got the music. They got a fellow that can, he's eloquent. He can teach. You can learn a lot. But if that foot gets healed, it's going to take the tangible presence of God to do it. No choir can sing it healed. No preacher can preach it healed. But the presence of God can flow into that leg and down. If this foot is healed right here that I've been limping on, when the healing comes, actually, and you're not going to get this, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway because I'm about to quit. It'll probably go over your head, but will you hang on with me? I received my healing when I prayed and when others prayed for me. I'm just waiting for the manifestation of it. Do you understand what I mean? As far as I'm concerned, I am here. Well, why are you limping? I'm waiting on the manifestation. Well, that's crazy. Leave me alone. <laughs> Can you say amen? Do not theologically counter me. Challenge me. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. As far as I'm concerned, it's mine. Oh, and I got I to... Gotta, I got to tell you this, the same thing that motivated you to come up this morning and pray for me seven, no, ten years ago, ten years ago, after a men's breakfast, I'll never forget it. A doctor had told me something a decade ago, and if I, and I prayed about it, and I believed that I received healing, I did not pursue it any further. But it was important enough that if I didn't pursue it, something terrible might show up in me. And so I asked them to pray for me after that service, tangible presence of God and with compassion. I had preached a message. I, got, I sowed faith into some people. And now they're going to pray the prayer of faith over me. I'm glad I'm a preacher that sows faith into people. Because when you pray for me, you can pray in faith. I'm glad. Hallelujah. So I said, would you pray for me? Unspoken request. I had just been to the doctor and been diagnosed. And they laid hands on me. And I had preached a message on Israel and their covenant with God. And how God marked them as his with the supernatural with miracles. And when Doug laid hands on my head, he said, Lord, mark him with a miracle. Mark him with a miracle. We belong to you. We have a covenant with you. Mark us with miracles. I was 62. I'll be 72. Other than my foot that is being healed. Come on, come on, faith with me that is being healed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I take no blood pressure medication. I take nothing for anything. I'm not on a medicine. I'm 72 in January. My blood pressure is 122 over 77. And it ain't because I'm skinny. <laughs> Come on.
on, church. Say amen. Look at somebody say, he ain't skinny. You didn't have to do it that good. I'm trying to stay under 200. I'm probably 185 in holding. <laughs> Giving the dog that sausage. <laughs> Amen. Helping me. Praise God. Are you bragging? I'm bragging on the Lord. I'm saying when people pray in faith, believing, things occur because God is there. God is in our midst. It's got to make a difference if God is right here in our midst. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. Hallelujah. And I have been raised up by the Lord. And my wife told her doctor, said, it ain't fair. It ain't fair. My husband, she was on, she didn't, she didn't know all those clogging things were going on. So, so she said, I'm on, all the, I'm on real strong blood pressure medication, and my blood pressure is always hitting the borderline. My husband's not taking anything. He's just trusting the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Well, no, if my blood pressure goes up and I need medication, I'm going to take medication because every good and perfect gift comes down. But if you keep saying what the scriptures don't say, you're getting close to the devil using the word to deceive you. He came to Jesus and said, throw yourself down off of this cliff. Didn't the scriptures say that angels would bear you up? It also says, see the balance? See, the, you've got to balance it with truth. Rightfully divided truth. Yeah, the same scripture says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He robbed the devil of that deception. The devil using scripture to deceive. And preachers coming out of cemeteries, I mean seminaries, with a gospel void of the supernatural, using the scripture to deceive. Like the lady that called me with a disease that is incurable, and her, asked her pastor to pray for her. And he told her, God has shown me that he has put this on you to teach you something that he wants to teach you. And when I heard that, I thought, God, help us today. Go. What was the, what was the great commission? What is the mandate from God? Go and preach the gospel. No, go and preach the gospel and heal the sick and cast out devils. Can you say amen? It did not come in word only, but power, the Holy Ghost, and much assurance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I told her, I said, ma'am, you know where I stand. You know where I stand. God did not put this on. Now we're going to quote this right and I'm going to quit. God won't put on you more than you can bear. Can I give you the scripture? That's not in there. That's not in there. No temptation has taken you. No trial, no test. This is not just about seduction to do evil. This is about the tests and trials that come. 
in this world you shall have tribulation. No temptation has taken you but such as common to man. What? Fallen man, faulty body, fallen world. It's common for these things to occur. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tested, tempted above that that you are able to bear. I don't see him putting anything on anybody. I see him being the faithful one that is going to take you through or take you from. Somebody give him glory today. If I was sitting where you were, I would be stirred up, fired up, and ready to go up. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God won't put on you more than you're able. No, no, no. If you're going to quote Scripture, quote Scripture. That's not Scripture. That's putting God as the one that's afflicting you. No temptation is taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able to bear, who will with the temptation make a way of escape, that you might be able to bear it. Does that sound different than God putting something on you? Well, where would we get that from? A devil that wants to blame God for the sickness the disease, the heartache, the heartbreak that's in this world. Thank you for receiving it. Thank you for that. We need to open it up, don't we? Because we adapt these things. We heard it and we just say it because we've heard it said. We need to explain it. Why? Because God wants to do something in your life and mine to demonstrate His faithfulness. He wants to receive the glory. He's the one that said, call on me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you. I'm your physician. I'm your doctor. I'm your helper. I'm not coming here to hurt you. Oh, there's a better way to be taught. You know, I didn't, I didn't, hold, my, I didn't hold my children's hand over a flame to teach them that fire will burn them. That's not how you teach by hurting your children. They take your kids away. God is a good God. I've discovered that. God is a help in the time of trouble. He is not the cause, but He can use the trouble to develop us by taking us through. And because He takes us through, some people say He designed it brought it upon us. No, he didn't. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every good, you want to know what to thank God for? Every good and perfect gift. If it ain't good and perfect, don't thank him for it because he didn't give it to you. Hello? So Brother Shambach, who's a lot plainer than I am, and I'm pretty plain, said, I'm not sure God wants to heal me. I think he gave, gave me this tumor to, 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 give him, to give him glory. He said, then let's just pray that God give you another one and you can give him twice the glory. Well, he's 
trying to get it through to the man. You're pushing back against the miracle you need, against the God that wants to help you. You're pushing back. You're attributing to him the trouble that has come because there's a devil in this world. And Jesus was how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing some and using sickness to teach some. No, no, you can learn through that. But listen, healing all that were afflicted of the devil. So giving thanks for all things, it's all things that He, He has given us all. Here's, here's the scripture. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All the good, everybody say all the good stuff is God's stuff. Oh, say it again. All the good stuff is God's stuff. That's pretty sim- no, they're not, they're not sending, they're not coming to take me away just yet. Say it again. All the good stuff is God's stuff. That's pretty simple, but I think it's profound. All the good stuff is God's stuff. For every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. God is good. His mercy endures forever. Jesus went about doing good, <laughs> healing all, hallelujah, that were oppressed of the devil. If you've got an insurance policy, tornado comes and tears your house all to pieces, you know what they're going to say on the insurance policy? It was an act of God. No, it wasn't. No, when God controlled this world before man sinned and gave Satan authority, what happened? There wasn't no death. There wasn't no disease. There wasn't no devastation. There was no destruction. But when the enemy gained access through Adam's sin and disobedience, sickness, death, devastation, and destruction came. God didn't send any of that. But he's faithful to us who are his children who live in a world like this that sin has made so sick. Thank God for his faithfulness today. Brother, I'll be 72 in January. I was 62, and I went to the doctor for the big checkup. They took five vials of blood. They turned me upside down and right side up. They, they did things I will not even tell you, but you can figure out. <laughs> and they came up with the fact that I had you know, and the doctor, filled with fear and doubt, looked at me and said, we'd better not push the envelope. In other words, you're in dangerous ground. Well, what do you do when you're on dangerous ground? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and feel the peace and safety and security of the faithfulness and love of a heavenly Father. Hallelujah. So, so when you said Marcus with miracles, God worked a miracle in me. How do you know? Because it's been 10 years. <laughs> and counting. Someday, something is going to take me home. But until he calls me home, 
Amen. I'm going to be healed and helped. Can you say amen? And when it comes time to go home, I'll go home. But I'm not going home till it's time. And there will come a time. But I'm not going to let the devil take me out before it's time. Is that all right with you? Praise God. Will you stand to your feet today? Let's give him a praise before we leave this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.